Welcome in everyone to week two of Gangrene and Goudreau right here on Percolated Media. This is Goudreau here calling in for our weekly discussion about all things green and white in the city of New York. Before I get to that, let's go over some quick housekeeping items here at the site. First and foremost, on our flagship show, Three Men and a Retrospective Podcast, we are officially back in Krypton. Reason being is that we have to close out our Superman retro. We returned with Seal, which made for a very fun discussion and a quite angry co-host of mine for me advocating its placement on the schedule. But that anger is going to be reverberated because next we're covering Superman Returns. And if you know me in any capacity, you know that is a movie I have words to say about and finally have the platform to do so. Once we're done, Superman, we're going to go back to Star Wars, close that out. We are going to have our Halloween retrospective with The Exorcist going on at the same time. So a lot of good things happening in the movie world. And on the wrestling side, Garrett and I took a week off just because I was on a family reunion over the weekend. We couldn't tape our next wrestling show, but our next two Monday Night War shows will be Survivor Series 1995 and WCW Fall Brawl 1995. So plenty of stuff happening. And on this show, we're talking about week two where the Jets went into Jerry World and laid an egg and all the things that are relating to that particular game. I'm recording this on Wednesday at five in the morning because the uh, Riker was up early and I'm feeling energized probably because I didn't get much sleep, but it's Wednesday morning. I've had two days of complete uh, my own darkness retreat <laughs> to talk, to process what happened and you know, I've been listening to New York sports media for a long time, basically ever since I've been a Jet fan, and I love listening to day after shows, particularly after a loss that looks like that. And having said that, I don't blame people for being upset, for being frustrated, for feeling like there is despair. I listened to a show where someone mentioned that the Jets season is eerily close at this present juncture to the, the stages of grief. Aaron Rodgers went down, you know, that was the, uh, you know, that was the, the shock. Now we're in the, you know, the denial phase was week one where it's re refusing to accept what happened. I think the win last week really all offset to a certain degree what actually happened and seems like week two everyone's now in anger phase so next week after the Patriots game there's gonna be a lot of bargaining talking about who the backup court who the quarterback should be to replace Zach Wilson because I know that's going to be the conversation now having listened to all the the shows I could because I like listening to jet fans I like listening to media pundits talk about their their thoughts not that they influence my own opinion, because I kind of stand on my own island, my own Rivas island. And I'll say this, big picture. This was the prime week for a letdown performance. Coming off an emotional win on the Monday night opener against Buffalo, where Aaron Rodgers went down. Short week, going into Dallas's home opener. And Dallas is a really damn good team. The, the recipe was here for the game we watched. I'll qualify that by saying the manner in which they lost was what made this so unexpected. It's not the result, because I 
said, looking at the spread line, Dallas was a nine and a half point favorite. That was about right. But when you look at the totality of the actual game, the manner in which they lost and how they looked, I think, is what made this outcry of anger so apparent. So I'll start there. 30 to 10 was the box score. And I got to be honest, when I watched the game, I was frustrated. I wasn't angry. I'm not going to yell and scream on this show because, as I alluded to earlier, this was, I'm not going to say the right time for a a performance like that, but it's not the most shocking thing in the world that this happened after the week that the Jets have had and the short week on that. Now, that's not an excuse, but sometimes reality supersedes circumstance. And the reason they lost this game, I think there's there's several. And I'll start from number one and work my way down. I am not putting Zach Wilson in the top spot. I can't do it. And if you do do it, then quite frankly, you did not watch the same game. You looked at the box score and said, oh, he's terrible. When you watch the game, I, I don't think that's the entire picture. The number one culprit, if you want to call it that, was the defense. And here's why I say that. This was a team going into the season where it was predicated upon success, primarily on the defensive side of the ball. And they played very well against Buffalo, but, you know, Josh made some stupid throws and they took the opportunity to capitalize on those effectively. But in this game, the defense flat out got punked. They got kicked in the mouth. And they never got off the mat. So, I'm not going to blame one single person. But, there were things in this game that were eerily similar to what we've seen in this Sala regime. Number one, not being able to get off the field on third down. That's the money down when you play in the NFL as a defense. You make your money. You make your reputation of being a great defense on a couple things, taking the ball away and getting off the field. This game, Sauce Gardner drops what would have been a pick six. There's a fumble C.D. Lamb put on the carpet. Not a single Jet defender could cover it, even though there were four in the vicinity. And the Cowboys were, what, eight for, they were like eight for 11 on third down, and they had over 40 minutes of possession. That's on the defense. You can blame the offense all you want, and we'll certainly get to that in a couple of minutes. But when you allow the Cowboys to keep moving the ball with minimal pass rush, which is supposed to be the strength of your team, your zone defense becomes more susceptible to taking the the check downs in easy ways. This this game gave Jet jet opponents the formula to beat this defense. Quick passes, middle of the field, take the check downs, don't test anything deep. And it worked. The, The Cowboys' offense had their way with the Jet defense. And I'm not gonna 
not going to kill any single player, but I don't understand in this scheme why Robert Sala can't make adjustments. Going into this game, we knew the number one weapon on the Cowboys was CeeDee Lamb. So you would figure your defensive game plan would be how do we neutralize, do the Bill Belichick model, take away their best person, make them one-dimensional. Instead, CeeDee Lamb goes nine catches for a buck 40, nine catches, buck 43. And there were never any adjustments. He never put sauce on an island with CeeDee Lamb to just shadow him the whole game. I know the scheme doesn't permeate to your, your corner being locked on one receiver, but you, you've got to try something else when, when the game is not in your favor. That's a problem. Salah has not been good, and his DC has not been good at making adjustments in-game. When the other team is just moving the ball at will, and there's that one player that just can't stop. This was, in totality, the worst defensive performance they've had since week three last year when the Bengals came to MetLife. They have not looked as bad as that until on Sunday. And much like last year, there were some dumb penalties. Now, I don't know what quantifies roughing the passer anymore. Quite frankly, I don't think a single fan knows. But I am beyond exhausted of these BS roughing the passer calls, in my own mind, always going against the Jets. Jets have not gotten a roughing the passer call on them since 2021. But it seems like every ticky-tack call goes against the Jets. And there were two of them in this game. One on John Franklin Myers, one on Michael Clemens. You want to give me the, the DPI on Eccles in the end zone? That was the right call. But for God's sake, can we can we finally have one of these dumb calls go our way? And don't give me the punt return last week. I already said my piece on that. So what great defenses should do? Take the ball away. No turnovers. There was one that two that should have been but weren't. And those could have been the turning point of the game. So, you want to be a great defense, you want to compare yourself to the 85 Bears, get stops, take the ball away. I hope this was a humbling experience for the defense, and I think it was needed. You know, check yourself, go back down to earth, reassess, and refocus. Let's go to the offense. I am not a Zach Wilson truther or an optimist. I've made that abundantly clear on past shows. And even with that, I cannot sit here and tell you the biggest problem in the offense was Zach Wilson. But I will preface that by saying there is an obvious trickle-down effect when you're playing against teams who don't respect your quarterback. Because they can load the box with eight, you know, ping your ears back and say, kid, go beat us. And he's not able to do that. But I also don't think they have put this kid in a position to succeed. It was painfully obvious that he was not ready to be the backup, let alone the starter. I said when the season was over and we entered the offseason, regardless of who they brought in to be their starter, Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, whoever, you also needed to accompany that with an experienced backup quarterback. Not named Joe Flacco. 
and give Zach a true red shirt year where he just sits and watches. And then you want to give him another chance the year after this one. I can live with that. That's fine. But they put this kid in the worst possible opportunity to get back in the game. Aaron uh, in the season, Aaron Rodgers gets hurt. He's immediately thrust into the starting lineup in the first game. And there was no other backup in front of him that could take over the reins. So that's negligence on the part of this front office. And to a certain degree, it's also arrogance. They are so terrified of this kid being a bust because he's the number two overall pick and all that comes with it that they don't want to create any semblance of controversy. I think they believe that if they got an experienced backup and he played well in this offense, like Mike White did last year, or like when Joe Flacco did on occasion, Josh Johnson, his first year. Why is it that every other quarterback we get, regardless of weapons, O-line, any of that other crap, why is it that every time we have another quarterback enter this offense, it looks so much easier to operate? Because Zach doesn't read the field particularly well. So this is on Sala. This is on the GM. This is on the, the hierarchy, the powers that be. They put themselves in this position. You absolutely could not have predicted Aaron Rodgers going down like that. But you needed a stronger, more consistent backup plan in place for worst case scenario. Because we're here. Now we're Aaron Rodgers for the rest of the year. And we're stuck apparently, with Zach Wilson, because Salah said they're not bringing in a backup quarterback. Are they going to stick to that? Well, I have words on that towards the end of this show. So as I said, I, I'm not a Zach believer. But when I watched this game, I could see things that he he did get better on. Um, He's still not good. But at the same time, he's there. There's marginal improvement. You know, there was there was the play where uh, Lazard ran a slot fade. Zach made plays with his legs. He held onto the ball at one point, kept his eyes downfield, hit Lazard for the first down. You know, it's those little things that he really wasn't doing last year that make me say, okay, there is things. His footwork is a little bit better. But let's be honest, they've done this kid no favors because that offensive line got their got their doors blown off. And talking about adjustments, you got Dwayne Brown at left tackle being a equivalent of a Macy's turnstile door on Black Friday because of Micah Parsons. No adjustments. They left him on an island the whole game. They never brought over a tight end to chip block. They never used another running back. Every freaking snap was either direct under center with Zach Wilson getting blitzkrieged by Micah Parsons or out of the shotgun with an empty backfield. I'm no quarterback couch guy or I'm not an offensive coordinator. But this game plan sucked. And the lack of adjustments is alarming. And we're starting to see the only reason Nathaniel Hackett as the OC was not lambasted like it could have been is because the the reason, the justification was that Aaron Rodgers would be here. Well, the reality is now he's not. And Hackett's got to get his shit together. 
Because it doesn't matter who your quarterback is if he's running for his life every goddamn play. And I get this offensive line hasn't played together all preseason. They're just starting to gel. But if games like this continue, you have to make adjustments. Look at what the Giants did. Brian Dayball benched his veteran right guard for a rookie because it wasn't he wasn't performing. Salah needs to grow a pair, say, if this continues, you're not good enough to justify continuing to have a place in the field. That's not me being a hater. That's not me being overly analytical. It's just you can't win when your quarterback, A, is skittish and lacking confidence, which he absolutely is. And more importantly, you're not giving him any time to process. Um, it's just, it's like they've set up this kid to fail. But they should not have been in this situation in the first place. One of the criticisms that was thrown Joe Douglas's way is he didn't do enough to address this offensive line. He banked too much on the optimism side of guys coming back from injury and Dwayne Brown being 38 coming off shoulder surgery. He banked on Mekhi Becton coming back healthy after missing two years. And quite frankly, Becton's been the least of their problems, so looks like the trajectory is going up on that front. But he really should have brought in another tackle. He drafted Tittman in the second round. Can you play him? If Lakin Tomlinson continues to struggle, put Tittman at center, move McGovern to left guard. Because Tomlinson's been brutal. That left side is a... It's just ugly to watch them try to block. Not only that, going on the offensive side once again. Why are they so quick to get away from the run? And this this is what kills me. This is what drives me nuts. This is not pertinent to the Jets. A lot of coaches do this. First and 10, Brees Hall runs for nine yards. Second and one, throw the ball. Third and one, throw the ball. Punt, fourth down. When you know you have a quarterback who you you coach around because you're terrified of him screwing it up, you should be relying on your run game and not get away from it so quickly. There should never be a justification for Brees Hall getting four touches in this game. He is by far, him and Garrett Wilson, your two best offensive weapons, and they need to be schematically incorporated into this game plan week in and week out. Get some easy targets for Garrett Wilson. Give him underneath stuff. Give him bubble screens. Give him slants. Because you saw in that 68-yard touchdown run, he's explosive. He can catch the ball in space and make stuff happen after the play. So just, I'm starting to, I'm not torching the seas or anything like that. And Nicole Hardman, your fastest player. Can you get on the damn field, please? There's no reason why Randall Cobb should be getting more snaps than Nicole Hardman or Xavier Gibson. I don't care about loyalty. I don't care about pleasing Aaron Rodgers anymore because he's not coming back this year. 
Who knows? We may never see him again. But this all comes down to a certain amount of arrogance on the part of the coaching staff and the GM, where it's the system on the defense. You know, the system never gets adjusted because they believe so strongly in it. And on the offense, they their insurance policy sucked. And I'll give Salah this. I watched his presser when he was asked about the O-line. He's got certain tendencies in his interviews, and I do believe if stuff doesn't change quick, there will be changes that are made. But again, the short yardage situation, you know, freaking get creative. Use hard men on an end around. Let Garrett Wilson run a jet sweep. Run to the right side of the O-line, which is the strength of your O-line. You had two first-round picks at right guard and right tackle, and they're far better than your left side. Like I said, I'm not a genius, but I don't think what I'm saying should be a genuine surprise to this coaching staff. So the defense has to get their you-know-what together and either coach a better game on offense or get a backup quarterback where you're, you're not having to coach around your quarterback deficiencies. And Salah said, I'll get to his, his comments, he said, and I quote, I'm not going to let this snowball. This is the definition of keeping receipts for Jet fans. We'll hold you to that, but if Zach Wilson gets booed out of MetLife next week when they get smoked by the Patriots, things can snowball. And I don't buy that this team that openly turned and quit on him last year all of a sudden has his back. They're saying the right things, but you know deep down they don't believe in this kid. They might not even like him, but they but they got to play nice because this is this is what they're they're stuck with. And like I said, I'm not placing the finger of blame at a single person, but I think everyone has culpability for the crap we watched on Sunday. And the potential for this to snowball is there. You got the Patriots coming in, it's been 14 straight losses. I'm picking the Patriots to win. I will always pick the Patriots to win from here on out until I see the Jets actually beat them. Because Bill's got added motivation. He's 0-2, and there's no way he goes 0-3 to a Jet team with Zach Wilson at quarterback. But if they somehow win that game, I feel like the optimism will be back. Because you're 2-1, and you'll have two games. The two games that you won are... are... Um, are division wins. But and then from there you got three games after that before the bye. I think you got to find a way to win one of those games. Chiefs, Eagles, or Broncos. I think the Broncos is the likeliest scenario and I hope they win that game. That's the one I want more than any of the other two, but you know, find a way to beat New England, beat Denver, get yourself to 3 and 3 before the bye week, maybe add a backup quarterback ASAP so that they're ready to go if Zach Wilson struggles. Because the bye week, it does get easier. You know, they did us no favors with the schedule. But I'll reiterate this. Losing Aaron Rodgers does not mean that they get a free pass if this year goes sideways. Especially if the defense keeps having bad games. If the team turns on Zach Wilson again, I think Salah is going to be shown the door. And I don't think he'll be excused if the team just implodes. So I'm going to keep it short this week because 
I don't have much more to say beyond that. There's only so much analysis I can do, but at the end of the day, you know, it was a bad loss. But the opportunity is there, you know, against New England. It's you have all the motivation you need. You got punched in the gut by the Cowboys, and you got a team coming into your stadium that has owned you and humiliated you for the past seven years. Better part of two decades if you want to be fully uh, immersed. So I wish them well, but there's a chance they win next week, but I'm anticipating, you know, a low-scoring game where Zach Wilson just implodes because Bill Belichick has his number. So with that, I'll talk to you all next week. Thank you very much for listening to this week's Gang Green and Goudreau. Be sure to tune in with all of our thoughts on Percolated Media. And until next week, go Jets.